on this episode of Resi Week, Matt Scott steps into the host chair talking about set-top boxes and all of their uh, pros and cons. Legrand has picked up Luxel Wireless, plus the FCC and cable boxes. All that and more next on Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week, episode 13, recorded Monday, April 25th, 2016. Set top woes. Resi Week is brought to you by our fine group of underwriters, companies like Advanced AV. Hey, welcome to another episode of Resi Week uh, at AV Nation. I am your host, Matthew Scott. Uh, I'm filling in for my good friend, Tim Albright, who is traveling the globe right now and leaving me to do all his work, which is fairly normal. So uh, today with us, we've got uh, a couple of my good friends. First of all, we've got Jason Knott uh, from CE Pro. How are you doing today, Jason? I'm doing great, Matt. Excellent. And then we have a real good friend of mine. We go back a way too long, really. Uh, Stephen Bronner from Pro Audio Georgia. How you doing today, bud? I'm doing outstanding, man. Just glad to be here, my friend. You, you look like you're on site working. Uh, as usual, almost every time I talk to you guys, I'm on site. That's good. That's how that's how it works. That's how we make the money. Um, all right, so let's kick this off. Uh, we've got a couple of stories on the docket, and as soon as I get my screen share to work, I'll pull them up. We're going to start off uh, with an EFF uh, story about unlocking the box. Uh, now, this is an interesting story and a timely story for us as uh, Aviation. We've uh, just recently become approved to be partners with EFF, and this is something that the majority of us in uh, uh, the Aviation group really, really agree with, and it's a cause that we're really behind. But specifically with this story, excuse me, um, they are uh, writing about, and, and they wrote a letter and a, essentially a petition to the FCC, uh, just reiterating the fact that we as consumers are really looking forward forward to unlocking the box and, and getting rid of those set-top boxes, uh, or, or at least making that content available to subscribers in other forms other than strictly their box. And if you read the article, which will be posted in the links, uh, you know, they're really talking about how, as so much technology has become more and more affordable, et cetera, et cetera, uh, set-top boxes continue to be uh, increasing in price and uh, seemingly being very behind technology-wise. Um, so Jason, as somebody who's constantly writing about the industry and obviously reading about this stuff, what's your take on, on what EFF is, is proposing here and, and the FCC's uh, response to it? Well, looking at it not just being advantageous from the consumer perspective, but for integrators who are the CE Pro audience, this is a super big deal also because one of the things that's very frustrating for the custom integration community is they spend countless hours and countless amounts of manpower and energy and, uh, to design these beautiful systems for uh, their customers and their clients uh, only to be able to take them 90 some odd percent of the way and then having to hand off kind of that final connectivity tier to um, the cable company. And in many cases, you know, one, it's 
not good for the integrator because he wants to be that one-stop shop who's going to bring a completely working, fully functional system to his customer, not just from a theater standpoint for Blu-ray, et cetera, but, and music, two-channel, but also for c- cable connectivity and all the, the programs they want to watch. And they've, had to, they've been able to bring them to that edge, and then they have to hand it off to the customer to have that interaction directly with uh, the cable company. Uh, the other element is uh, the potential for a you know, potentially unskilled technician who works for the cable company coming in and, quote-unquote, maybe mucking up all their work or reconfiguring things or whatever it might be. So from the integrator standpoint, this should be a really big deal, not just that it, it frees the customer up to be able to go to different sources of content, and, but also for the integrator, he should be really supporting something like this, in my opinion. Yeah, and I would say that's definitely something that uh, myself as an integrator, this is always a huge deal for us. Is you know we we love to tell the customer that one of the smallest and, and biggest issues that we always run into is we have no control over that cable co box, and a lot of times that's where you know we run into problems. Stephen, you're in the same boat. You're an integrator. Um, how is this affecting you? Anytime that we do exactly what he said, we take it ninety percent of the way and then have to hand it off. And it doesn't really matter who the company is. It, Comcast, Uverse, people always say, oh, this, this company sucks, this company's great. The truth is, none of them are great. They're all. Um, <laughs> it is, yeah, it's all overblown. So whenever, you, whenever you're working with a system and you go through all the trouble to design the system, and then every time the client turns it on, it's kind of a hope and a prayer that that cable box is going to work. It's, you know, mm-hmm. you hope it works and most of the time it does, but if it doesn't work, the client doesn't call Comcast and say, Hey, my TV's not working. They call you and they say, my TV's not working. And I have a project right now where I've got six of said boxes from a certain company <laughs> on a project. I have literally had to put the boxes on remote power control, my blue bolt so that I can dial in and reset them, and they are resetting every night at 1 a.m. in order to keep them online and functioning. So if we could get rid of that, and we could say, you know, here, customer, you can have this box, and you can get the content that you're looking for. Yeah, you may have to pay for it, but the box itself is not locked down. We can control, we can supply our own box, and then tell the cable company, here, use this is the serial number, the MAC ID of this box. Use our box. Then we have up-to-date technology. We have good control codes. We have a better quality video and audio feed going to our, our system. It's just a better thing. But there again, you're releasing that control. You're telling the cable company or the utility of your choice, hey, give us this control and you just provide us the content. You would think they would want to do it. I answered a question very similar to this a, a few episodes ago. You would think that the cable company or the or you AT and T whatever would want to say, hey, take the device liability off of us. We supply you the signal, you supply the device. Now that's less maintenance we have to do, but for some reason they well, will not relinquish. And I would say the majority of that most likely stems from the fact that they get. Uh, I don't know what it is down there, but I know up here for an HD terminal, it's a minimum of fifteen to sixteen dollars a month. Right. And like even in my house where I have myself, my wife, and a baby who, albeit loves remotes, doesn't really know what to do with them yet, um, we've got 
two HD boxes and three, you know, little cable converters for, for the guest rooms. And right. our monthly bill just in rental alone is like almost 40, you know, 40 bucks. Right. And it is a, it is a revenue stream, mm -hmm. but it, it doesn't seem right to, if you went to your client and you said, in order for you to do business with me, you have to use this particular device. Now we do that to some extent with control systems and other things. Oftentimes we'll go to a client, we'll say, we use this, whether it be RTI, Crestron, AMX, whatever your choice is, control for. Uh, but to go to your client and say, in order to do business with me, you have to use this. And they say, okay, I want to choose somebody else then, but everybody has to use that. That takes the choice away from the client. And if you're supplying garbage boxes, um, it to me, that's just no way to treat a client. It just isn't. And we make our money off of customer service. They make their money basically... Oh, for lack of a better way, better way to put it, it's it's like mob style tactics. You know, you you'll pay me this week, or or you'll use my box, or you won't get my service, and it's it really sucks. Uh, uh, you know, Matt, I feel your pain. We have six televisions and okay. six cable boxes at my house, but let me let me be the pessimist in here because I know the EFF uh, uh, piece addresses it, it and talks about consumer pricing and that sort of stuff, which I think is obviously a key element besides just the control uh, issue that Stephen was talking about. But the pessimist in me says that even if this happens, um, the cable company is going to figure out another way to charge. And all I can think of is the luggage fees at the airport and how those just started, and all of a sudden it's this new revenue. I'm, I'm not convinced that if this did happen, that cable bills would go down. That's just no, my two cents. No, and I don't think they will either. I think it'll be something akin to the utility companies where they'll, if you stop using their boxes, they'll start charging you a delivery fee or an access fee on top of everything else. Yeah. Um, it, this is always one of those never-ending arguments that uh, – we are, you know, going from back and forth over, you know, who makes the better box, who makes the worst box, which box is least controllable, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, I, I think we'll, honestly, we'll have this debate for years to come because I don't, I don't see it moving anywhere, anywhere quickly. Yeah, I agree. I, like I said, I think ultimately it's uh, the fact that it's a greater quality control issue for the integrator. Uh, it's better for the customer. Um, you know the, the 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 pie in the sky part of it tells me that there there could eventually be a reduction in the cost, but I'm a skeptic in in terms of that, and I kind of think that somehow the cable company is going to figure out a way to charge back, just like you said, and and we and even if that happens, that's okay. Maybe the cost stays the same, and we get to a point where the integrator does have uh, that greater control with his customer and better and the ability to serve them better, but. I wouldn't uh, hold my breath waiting for uh, it to become cheaper. Well, and I think I think it's one of those things where if for most consumers and definitely most integrators, they would be okay with the cost staying the same, because anyone who's shelling out you know two hundred three hundred dollars a month in cable and internet is already you know albeit a little crazy as far as being comfortable spending that much money on it. Um, I, I think we'd be okay with it if we had better control over what we were what we were doing. But yep, I agree. Let's uh, just to just to wrap that part up. There, we also had an article from uh, CNET 
which is talking about uh, President Obama adding his support to the FCC's edict to, uh, you know, go to a standardized cable box, so not the same, but but pretty much, an, and Comcast being ready to provide a open format, which is was right along that line. Is this something that we actually see happening down the road? Uh, Stephen, I'll throw that to you. I would love for that to happen. Honestly, that would be great. Um, I am I am very skeptical when it comes to you know when the when the FCC any government organization says we're the government and we're here to help. Um, <laughs> I am I'm very skeptical. You can you can quote Mr. Reagan on that one. So we're you know when we, whenever we get down to it, I think it's a great idea. I I, I think it needs to be done. I. I I hope that they move forward, uh, but for me to say that I think that Comcast is going to head the industry in something that's based on customer service <laughs> is, um, I think, is a stretch, and uh, we'll see how it comes out, but um, you, you hope for the best. Yeah, and I, I, you know, this is one of those one of those lovely things where it looks great in a press release, Um but let's see. Let's see where it goes from there. Uh, so but, over. By the way, yeah. by the way, what, let me add one other thing. One of the alternatives that's kind of always been out there for integrators, that is an option in this whole scenario that often gets overlooked, is the ability to bring in a a device like a TiVo Bolt with a cable card in it uh, that also can handle apps, also can handle uh, over-the-air broadcasts, also can ha handle. Uh, over-the-top streaming from Amazon Prime, Netflix, Hulu mm -hmm. Plus, and those sorts of things, the integrator has more control, uh, and and he's eliminated that wild card of the cable company, and he's brought a, a single function, single searchable interface that incorporates all those different sources I just mentioned to the customer. The one thing it doesn't do is save them the cost, that cost part of it we were talking about, but there is an option out there, uh, and it's, you know, the, the TiVo Bolt's a 4K device even, too. So just uh, throwing that out. Yeah, no, thank you. And and I had thought of that uh, previously in our, our conversation about this and, and just glossed over. Stephen, is is the TiVo, because we don't have that option up here. We don't have cable cards. We don't have TiVos. Uh, so I have no experience with them whatsoever. Stephen, is that something that your clients are interested in, or is that something that you ever look at at offering? It is, and we do TiVo boxes whenever whenever the client is okay with it. We always bring it up. Uh, the downside with the TiVo boxes is it only works with the cable company. So you have a lot of people that have decided on every side, whether it be Comcast, Charter, Uverse. There are people that don't like those particular companies. Right. So it would be nice if there was a box that had a cable jack, like a TiVo, that had a cable jack and it had a phone jack on it so you could do U-verse or cable with it. Mm -hmm. But the TiVo box works really well if you're doing cable. The flip side of that is, honestly, as an integrator, I try to put my clients on DirecTV anytime I can. So um, if, if, I have, if I have control over what service they use, it's always DirecTV. It, the service, they have better channels. You're not constantly worried about them losing the channels. I was watching a friend's Dish Network last, uh, what, maybe three weeks ago, and a thing flashed across the bottom of the screen that said, do you like ABC? If you like your ABC network, call Dish Network and tell them not to. I was like, ABC, that's a major network. How are you? 
But, I mean, it, it is. So we always push people to direct TV. The boxes are better, still not foolproof. Right. But um, it would be nice if there was a TiVo box for that would work with satellite cable or U-verse. That's what I'm waiting on. Right. It doesn't work with satellite or U-verse right now. You're yeah. right. Yeah. So that would be a that would be a, a the box to have if TiVo came out gotcha. with a box that I could plug in my U-verse or I could I could hook to my satellite. So again, honest, a, a fully brand agnostic TiVo. Yeah. Box. Yeah. It, Honestly, I, I would probably never hook up another cable box. It, <laughs> literally, that would be the that would be the game changer. But we'll see how it works out. I mean, with the Direct TV, you even get two-way feedback. They've got two-way IP control, so you can. Right. There's all kinds of neat stuff with it. So I, I just wish that I wish there was a box that would do all that with UVerse and with. We need our we need our SAT cable wonder box is what we're looking for. <laughs> All right, uh, moving on to a CE Pro article that we have that was written by the wonderful Julie Jacobson. Uh, talking about, let me just bring that up real quick. Oh, you're getting my whole screen there, my lovely background. Uh, talking about IC Realtime, who uh, you know most integrators know as one of the founders of, uh, or one of the very effective founders of CCTV and digital CCTV and all that fun stuff and you know, makers of a very good product. Uh, they were at NAB this week, uh, which is a show that I've always loved going to, and they showed off a pretty 60-degree camera, which is not uh, out of the ordinary for them. They've had those for a couple of years, but they showed it off with an immersive sharing feature that allowed you to live stream that footage direct to YouTube. Uh, this is a really cool, albeit interesting application. Um, Jason, what's your I, – I don't know. Were you at uh, NEB, Jason? Uh, I wasn't, but they had also showed this at ISC West a couple weeks ago, which okay. is a big security show in Vegas, uh, which I was at. Um, and so one of the significance of this is, as you mentioned, Matt, it's not that the fact that they've uh, created a 360-degree camera, um, which is kind of another line in this trend of where integrators are now able to – uh, uh, do secure uh, camera applications, video surveillance, and avoid to have uh, avoid having to put in multiple cameras in some cases, or cameras with pan tilt zooms because they can use these 360s. Right. But the the beauty of this application is that uh, is that it's not gobbling up the bandwidth, um, and that it's um, you know they're the um, and again the technology part is going to be way over my head in terms of exactly what they're doing but the idea is that they're actually uh, quote unquote de-warping the signal within the camera itself and they're not um, it's it's not gobbling up bandwidth and you're able to do something like this YouTube um, sharing feature so it's just another sign of where cameras have broken mm -hmm. down this barrier on the residential space uh, where it used to be a um, 1% part of the market cameras were 1% of residential, accounted for 1% of all cameras. Now it's something like 13, 14%, and I see it just growing and growing. And uh, I also see integrators uh, having a great opportunity to be able to go to their customers with cloud-based storage capabilities for video surveillance images as a big RMR opportunity, recurring monthly revenue opportunity. So there's, there's so much happening in the camera space, it's exciting. Now, are you seeing that specifically to 
just the camera space or also this this 360 degree and live streaming capability? Well, this will be interesting because I'm not really sure where this is going to fit in for the integrator. Um, in cases? Yeah, uh, you know, because it's, it's kind of a cool gadget function and, and the homeowner can, can do it or their application showed the... Uh, a balcony in Miami that they were showing just the city of Miami that's live streaming uh, onto YouTube from the security camera. So, but the key is that, you know, a lot of the new generation, the, the millennials want, you know, they want to be able to see the access, the, the information on their own devices right. um, versus to run through a central station. So this kind of allows them to do that um, through YouTube and uh, not again uh, have to, the, the Miami thing that they have on the website is like an hour and 20 minutes on a YouTube channel versus, you know, right. the space, the time limitation that used to be in terms of what you could put on YouTube. So it just shows you how much farther they've come in terms of being able to squeeze out all that bandwidth and, and being able to uh, produce more images. Now, Stephen, are you seeing a, uh, a massive push from your customers to either A, go with CCTV options, or B, uh, going with CCT, CCTV options as well as things like this 360-degree uh, camera and the, the cloud uh, storage capability side of it. Uh, where are you seeing this going uh, for yourself? Well, I haven't actually dug into the uh, 360 camera. That is, uh, that's a cool for lack of a better way to put it, kind of a cool toy to me. I, I think that it would be really neat to have. If I owned a retail space, I would definitely put one over my register. Um, because I've them over registers for years, they're fantastic. Yeah, it, instead of having to have one like three different cameras to catch all the angles, now you've mm -hmm. got one camera and it catches everything. Um, but as far as the CCTV goes, we've been selling IC real time now for about four years. Um, we love their products. Their products are rock solid and they integrate well. Um, I, I would, I would actually go so far as to say, as from an integration standpoint, they're probably the best camera system I've worked with. Um, they are, they're rock solid. The picture quality is good, and uh, some of their products have ten-year warranties, which is almost unheard of. So um, I would say that I have, of my current projects, probably. 50% of them have some kind of CCTV on it. Okay. Uh, some of them are one camera, and then I've got one that's uh, 24 IP cameras, uh, two megapixel IP cameras. Um, you know, you have people now that see things on commercials like the Ring video doorbell, and they say, oh, I can see who's at my door, and I can do this, and, and you say, yeah, you can do that, and but it never fails. They get one camera, and then they say, well, what about my driveway? Well, what about this? What about that? And that's the quickest way to get into multiple cameras. So mm -hmm. um, we're using we're we're using the IC real time product. I support companies that support our industry. They're at Cedia every year. I'm a big fan of that. So um, I think that as things progress and as people become more and more security conscious, um, these companies camera sales uh, from all different companies is going to skyrocket. Um, that is what people want and they understand that they sell things that say hey you can plug this in and it works the problem is is you hear things like wireless cameras look at the drop cam you know that was sold as a wireless camera and you pull it out of the box and guess what's attached to it a wire you have to plug it in 
So, you know, camera, these, these wireless technology clients are starting to understand, wait a minute, it's not that simple. Or, hey, I can put this camera over here, but it doesn't see what I want it to see. So they depend on us to know that. And unlike in the past where you could be a home theater company or an AV company and never touch security or CCTV mm -hmm. or anything, now you have to know how to integrate thermostats. You have to know how to integrate lighting. You have to know how to do cameras. You have to know how to do everything because even if they bring the security company in and that company does the cameras, you have to know how to integrate that with your system so that it's one seamless experience for your client. Right. All right. And speaking of integrating, uh, let's finish this up with our last story of the day, which comes to us uh from residential systems, and it's a topic that you know we seem to be hitting just about every week right now as we're leading into Infocom and, and Cydia later on in the year. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, Legrand made some uh, a, a bit of a splash earlier last week uh, when they picked up Luxo Wireless, and this is oh the second networking acquisition in the month, I think. Yes, the other uh, one broke my heart. Oh, I'm sorry. You okay? Yes. Do you need a hug? I, I need a hug for real. But this, you know, this is speaking to a larger thing of finally after, you know, I've been involved in this industry for over 15 years now and active within, you know, the industry easily over the last seven or eight years. And we've always talked about integration. We've always talked about the AVIT coming together. And we're really starting to, uh, I, I hate to say we're really starting to see it now, but we are really starting to see it when we have some of these major players come in and pick up all these other networking firms. Um, you know, Legrand's made, made a couple of splashes over the last little bit as they've picked up uh, a, company, uh, a couple of companies and continue to grow uh, their roster. And they've done the same with Luxel. Uh, Stephen, why, why do you think people are picking up... Um, networking lines and why do you think that that's become so important to to industry players well because the systems that we put in cannot use um, off-the-shelf stuff out of Best Buy anymore uh, for years and years you could go and, and I never recommended it it was never a great stable platform but you could go into Best Buy spend a hundred hundred twenty five dollars on a, a Netgear or Linksys or Belkin whatever and bring it home and you could run your iPad over the Wi-Fi and there wasn't much traffic you didn't have all these streaming devices mm -hmm. and now networking has become the backbone if you're not networking in your projects then you don't really have control over your projects I remember a few years back the slogan uh, own the network own the home I think that was a obsidious slogan so um, uh, the reason why these companies are gobbling them up is because they realize that this is, it has become a stable, a backbone. Um, we need the network just as much as we need speaker wires. We need the network because everything is on the network. If, you're, if your network goes down, you're done. So these companies are realizing, oh, if we can control, if we offer the networking company, and in LeGrand's case, they have you know Middle Atlantic, they have all these other brands, Basically, it brings you back under their roof. So now you're already shopping with LeBron, and you're like, okay, I need a rack. Well, if you're already under that umbrella, then why not just use a Middle Atlantic rack? Uh, that's the same thing that other companies have done. Uh, Snap AV, Control 4, these other companies, 
they've gone out and they've said, you know, with Snap AV, they bought um, Sunbright uh, TVs because they wanted to offer an outdoor TV. These companies, uh, Control 4, bought Package. Uh, they understand that if you can control the network, you control your dealers. That is, we have to have solid networks. And I think it's a great play. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I think it, it, is an, it is an amazing realization of our industry and the different manufacturers that, wait a minute, this is how the industry works. They're no longer telling us, well, this is how we think you guys work. They're now looking at the industry and going, oh, wait a minute. Everybody's buying networking gear. We want to be a networking company. Um, I just I hope in the same case with Package, my hope is is that when they get acquired by these other companies, that the service and the quality stays up. Um, that's my only concern, you know. And I've yet to see a networking company be bought by a company and me think to myself, "Yay, that's a high quality company." But now we have now we have Legrand who has purchased um, Luxel and. I actually love a lot of LeGrand's products. Um, you know, I'm a I'm a racking fool. I rack everything. So Middle Atlantic is uh, there's Middle Atlantic parts laying all over my office, uh, different custom rack shelves and blank plates and other things. So it's, it, you know, I have a good feeling about LeGrand. So I'm hoping this goes well. But that's why they're doing it purely because everybody has to have it. Right. Now, Jason, you're you're obviously writing about this stuff and and being right in the mix of what's going on. Do you see this trend continuing? Do you see some of the other major conglomerates picking up uh, the few remaining uh, small town or not not small, but you know smaller smaller networking firms um, as they're as they're going forward? Yeah, I see acquisitions in general uh, continuing, and you know to Stevens. Uh, worry there in regards to what's going to happen with companies. The one good thing out of this, or one good thing out of this, not the one, but one good thing out of this is Legrand's track record with the companies that they've bought recently being yes. uh, Middle Atlantic, uh, Q Motion Shades. Um, they're, they're a, uh, they tend to let those companies uh, continue to operate independently. They, haven't, they aren't uh, mucking up the R&D and those sorts of things. And one of the strategies, I, I believe the key strategic um, play here is purely and simply customer sharing. And, you know, we saw it a couple weeks ago. It was at the Azion uh, Buying Group Conference down in Phoenix, and it was the unveiling of a joint uh, program called Better Together between um, QMotion and Vantage. So, uh, you know, not, nobody's, you know, changing any sort of uh, technology. It's just a matter of here's a program that we're putting together to encourage people to buy more than one of these brands. You see it with core brands. You see it with all, a lot of the other, with Snap AV with their, all their individual brands. But for the most part, uh, you, know, you could see some exceptions with Legrand. Like they very closely integrated Nuvo and OnQ, which were two companies they bought a, a while back. But for the most part, they've let the the brands maintain their independent identities, and it's purely just been a play of um, trying to get customers, uh, integrators, to buy multiple products. But to answer your question, Matt, yeah, I think acquisitions <laughs> in general are going to continue across the board. Yeah, I think you're. I think you're right. It's it's a trend that we're continuing to see, and as uh, you know, our market continues to grow. I think we're going to. You know, get to that point where you know, not that there's no small players anymore, but we are already are such a small market that 
we're just going to see more and more companies coming together and, and partnerships are arising and, and going from there. Uh, so that's all the time we have for this week's Resi Week. Uh, first of all, I want to thank my guests for coming. Uh, Jason, where can people find you and, and connect with you? Uh, you can uh, email me at jknotts, that's J-K-N-O-T-T, at ehpub.com. You can follow me on Twitter, which is at Jason W. Knott. And, of course, you can go to cepro.com and reach me through the website. Beautiful. And, Stephen, thanks so much for being on the show, my friend. Uh, where can people find you? Uh, pretty easy to find. Stephen E. Bronner. You can uh, just wherever you look. I'm on Twitter, ProAudio underscore Georgia. Uh, the website is ProAudioGeorgia.com. Uh, look me up. Give me a shout. I love to work with other integrators. I love to work with people in the industry. If you have a question about a line that I carry, please feel free to give me a shout. Um, I really enjoy it. That's one of my passions. Beautiful. All right. Well, thank you again both for being on the show. Uh, as for myself, you can find me uh, pretty much anywhere uh, at Matt D. Scott on Twitter as well as uh, at OmegaAudioVideo.com. Uh, but more importantly, because it's really not about me, follow Aviation.tv uh, and please visit the website. There you can find this show as well as uh, a host of other shows including AV Week. Uh, and one of the other shows that I'm a part of is, is the App Show, which is always a, a good time. Um, but definitely check us out, uh, connect with us there, and coming up, probably our most uh, current next event will be Infocom, so any of the residential dealers that also work in the uh, commercial space a little bit, definitely uh, connect with us there in Vegas. Uh, it'll be a great show, but again, for more information, please visit avnation.tv, and we'll look forward to seeing you next week. <laughs> Thank you.